listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Guys, let's get it started here uh, with the Vegas lead and the Vegas lead all the way up until Super Bowl 55 is where we stand on Super Bowl 55. Now just a week and a half away, Fez. Where do we stand on the line? Are the Chiefs still favored? Any movement whatsoever on this line thus far? No movement. Chiefs minus three. A little extra vig with that minus three. You got to lay minus 120 in most places if you want Kansas City. You want Tampa, you get plus three even money. Total holding steady at 56 as well. But I think the good news here, Fez, for betters on both sides is if, if you want Tampa Bay plus three and a half, it's out there. If you want Kansas City minus three, it's out there. Yes. Yeah, so the shopper will typically benefit. And I got to tell you, the books get nervous whenever a line is like between three and three and a half, because if it winds up landing exactly three and you keep flipping back and forth, then you get cited as a book losing a lot of money. Absolutely. Best guess, where do you guys think this line ends up at? Do you think there's any movement or is it going to float around three to three and a half uh, all the way up until kickoff? I think that the professionals are going to land on Tampa, and I expect that this will come down to a solid three. There won't be any three-and-a-halves come kickoff. And I think there's going to be waves of public money on Tampa as well. I mean, Tom Brady might be the most famous NFL player of all time. That's only going to bring in the the non-normal football better to land on Tampa. I I also agree with Fez. I think it lands Kansas City minus three at kickoff. And you might be hard-pressed to find those three-and-a-halves next week. Any chance it drops to two and a half? I don't believe so because it's three is such a critical number, Steve's point, that because some of the books have already been three and a half, if they also go to two and a half then and that thing lands exactly three, this could be an epic disaster. I think they don't go below three. They may reverse juice it the other way where it's Tampa plus three, minus 120 instead, but I don't think they ever come off that three down to two and a half. Uh, he is Matty Holt, Steve Fezzik, Jonas Knox, in for R.J. Bell. This is straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. All right, so we mentioned it in the headlines. Uh, this is a big day, not only for professional bettors, but it is a big day for you, the listener, the better. You do this. I do this. We're not above it. We embrace it here on Straight Out of Vegas. It is the official launch of the prop bets in the Super Bowl. They have been released, Steve Fezzik. And I got to know, this has become a craze. Uh, I know me and my buddies for years and years have really loved betting on the props because you can find some really goofy things out there. We've talked about it in previous years past, Super Bowls and different prop bets that are out there. But, Fez, how did we get here? How did the prop betting market become so popular and so much fun for so many people? Where do the origins come from? So let's go back to 1986 with uh, William the Refrigerator Perry that scored a touchdown and several books had put up odds on him as high as I've heard even 100 to 1, but certainly 50 to (laughs) 1. All of the money was on the fridge and Ditka gave it to him. So that's the most well-known prop and one of the first ones. Fast forward about 10 years, the little hole-in-the-wall casino, the Imperial Palace that has since turned into the Lynx here mid-strip. They had nothing to um, make you want to go into their sports book versus <laughs> Caesars, Mirage, anywhere else. So what they did, this is brilliant, is Jay Cornegay said, you know what? We're going to be the prop master. So during the Super Bowls, they were the first to put up like hundreds of props and even these cross-sport props. Who's going to get more field goals or the Vegas Golden Knights to score goals? Props like that. And they went ahead and had a niche that was so strong that their sportsbook was packed for a week before the actual game. 
And you know I what's interesting that. now? It, this is the most important day of the year for not only the betting public, but professional bettors. I mean, obviously, when you put up five or 600 props, you can't be accurate on all of them. Even if you're accurate on 95% of them, it's still going to leave five, six, 10 opportunities for the pro better. So the pro better scour through looking for those off prices that they could take advantage of it. And the betting public loves all the opportunities to bet fun things they don't normally are. They're not normally able to bet. This is a big day on both sides of the betting market landscape. I mean, so who's coming up with these? Like, who's like some of these? I mean, whether it's the color of the Gatorade, the length of the national anthem, the like all of these things that are being set. I mean, it's one thing if right before kickoff somebody takes a walk onto the field, they peek into the Gatorade and they go, "Oh, it's this color." But how do we know what colors to even put in to qualify for for one of these bets? You know what I mean? Like how how are, how does anybody have enough information to be able to accurately give you a line on all of these goofy props? that are still 10 days away when we don't we don't we're not inside the room when it comes to how long the national anthem is going to be we don't know what, what sort of crummy performance the weekend or whatever his name is with, with that with the weird plastic surgery on his face all of a sudden i swear to god guy looks like an alien i'm not even making this up he got a, like a bunch of stuff done to his face and people are trying to figure out whether or not it's it's actual or some sort of a filter it's bizarre but nonetheless like who's coming up with this stuff? How do they have enough information to be able to give us the best lines, or is it just throw whatever you can out there? The limits aren't all that high, and let's just have some fun with it because our our real money is going to be on the actual game and the total. Throw whatever you can up with really low limits when it comes to these um, predetermined things like what's the first song at halftime going to be? What's the Gatorade color, etc.? How long will the anthem be? Well, you know, there's people with stopwatches during rehearsals that are getting <laughs> that information, but it doesn't matter, Jonas, because if you deal low limits, then what, what will happen is there'll be enough people that are just betting it recreationally. You'll make money from them, and yeah, a sharp guy will come in and pick you off, but you know what? Then you'll go ahead and make an adjustment based on upon him and think about what a a boon this is just for the person that wants to have an entertainment day. They're not going to win, but you bet $5 on a hundred different things over the course of the game. And maybe you lose a hundred bucks when you add it all up for four hours of entertainment. I tell you what, I live on a golf course. I don't jump over the fence and start screaming at the people. What are you doing? You just blew $150 to play Rio Seiko. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, sorry, go ahead, Maddie. And you know what's interesting about it, too, is I, I, so many years behind the counter, we would say, look, if, if we even break even on props, great. But the amount of signups, a new account signups we're going to generate off this will make so much money. People will sign up for accounts, forget they have them, leave their money in. People will now continue to bet with you because they put their money in. But at the end of the day, we never had a losing year in props. I don't know of a book that is ever lost in props. They just make so much money because they're so so many of them, and so much recreational action. And is with it, 300 it, to 400 was, Jonas out there, you know, it's a volume game. Like, what happens if this game lands three? Well, you got to refund all the money that's being bet if and lose some if you took some Tampa Bay plus three and a half. But on the props, with 300 to 400 different outcomes, there's only 256 NFL games over the course of a season. So think about how much you're churning and earning as a sports book with such a large volume. Is it similar to giving away chips and salsa when you go into a restaurant? 
to where you go, you know what? They're going to be eating there. They're going to be having drinks. Here's some free chips and salsa. Make them feel like they got something. I mean, is that is that really sort of the idea, Maddie? To where, look, give them something. Even if we lose, we've got their account, and they're going to be a customer moving forward. So if we take a, a hit, you know, on Super Bowl Fifty Five, and we lose to the color of the Gatorade or the length of the national anthem, that's fine because we know they're going to be back and they're going to order more. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you're giving away chips and salsa, and they're spending money like they're yes. eating caviar. I mean, here's a good <laughs> example. If you put up a prop bet, will the coin fly off? Will the actual coin in the coin toss sprout wings and fly off a million to one? <laughs> People would bet it. People would literally bet it. They go, wow, a million to one. That's great odds. And I guarantee you it would take way more bets than you'd ever imagine. I can't begin to explain the amount of bets we would take on things that were so so unfathomable to happen, but at those long odds, people just love to take that shot. And you're getting all that recreational money. I got to talk about the coin toss because now in the NFL, every NFL coach, when you win the the coin toss, they defer. That was not the case 10 years ago. So I can tell you while everyone else was betting heads and tails, and it's the stupidest bet possible because it's 50-50, although some feel that the extra weight on the head makes uh, tails more <laughs> common, but uh, the bottom line is there was a small group of bettors, and they would track the tendencies NFL coaches had for winning the coin toss. Belichick almost always deferred, whereas you know Sean Payton almost always would take the ball, so they literally could bet on a matchup like that, oh, the Saints are going to get the ball first, and they'd be laying minus $1.10 on a 90% bet, so it shows how powerful doing your homework can be. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fez, we're talking about the props and the release of the prop bets for Super Bowl 55 as they come out about a week and a half before the game. We've talked about the bets to avoid. All right, you know, there's these needle in the haystack type bets. What about the bets to consider? Bets that you look at and go, this is something that you should keep an eye on if you want to make a little bit of coin come Super Bowl Sunday. Right. You want to make the bets that there's only two possible outcomes. So in terms of players, are they going to go over or are they going to go under their rush yards or their pass yards? Or you can bet that, um, will something happen? Yes or no. Nothing else can happen. And because of that, you're going to avoid all these um, crazy props where there's hundreds of different outcomes and it's so difficult to pick the winner. And because of that, the sports book can hide way extra vigorous. Let me give you examples. Two years ago, R.J. Bell came out strong. Gurley is not healthy. I don't care that he's not on the injury report. I'm going to go under 65 rush yards. And Gurley wound up with 35 yards in a retrospect. It's crazy that Gurley could have been dealt that high. And it was all about He put up some big numbers when he was healthy. Afterwards, he wasn't. That literally was like an 80% bet RJ made. Last Super Bowl, I'll use an example of a bet of mine that pushed. That was my bad beat of the year. I played Mahomes over rush yards, over 29 rush yards. Jonas, he had 44 (laughs) with rush yards, with two minutes to play, and proceeded to lose 15 yards on three rushes, running out the clock. So, you can do all your homework. You can get it in good. It's not necessarily a guarantee, even doing that, that you will win. (laughs) 
look, I, I've, I saw a buddy in my fantasy football league years ago lose one week because he had a .2 lead over the guy he was playing, and his quarterback took three kneel downs to end the game and lost three yards, and he lost by uh, he lost by uh, a tenth of a point based on the three yards. So I, I've, I've seen that happen before, and I can recall that happening last year, and there were a lot of people not too thrilled with uh, Patrick Mahomes at the end of that game. But Fez, I mean, you push. You didn't lose. That's all that matters. Yeah, but I gave it out to my clients, and they played it at 30 and 31 and 32 and 33. So uh, <laughs> another example, Matty Holt of the sports books uh, winning in the Super Bowl. The most wagered on prop last year. In terms of handle wagered on one prop, Pat Mahomes rushing yards over was the most wagered on prop in the Super Bowl last year. Crazy. Uh, straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, now, when it comes to scripting the Super Bowl, Fez, when it comes to how to monitor the Super Bowl, uh, how, is, how's the game going to look? Is it going to be different? I mean, a lot of people are making a lot to do about the fans and whatnot. I actually don't think, and tell me if you guys think I'm crazy on this, the fact that the game is in Tampa especially this year, but even if it was a normal Super Bowl year, I don't think it's that much of an advantage, and here's why. It's not only or majority Tampa fans that are going to be there normally. They try and split it up. There's a lot of you know corporate uh, seats that are sold. The Super Bowl's a different vibe than it is a normal home game, so I don't think it's that much of a home field advantage. And this year, with even lower attendance than what would normally be in a Super Bowl, I don't think that the home field's going to have as much of an impact on this game as much as a lot of people do you know the wild card here is there's going to be 22,000 fans but there's going to be 7,500 healthcare yep. um, uh, professionals all from the greater Tampa Bay area and you'd have to feel that the vast majority of them are going to be rooting for the home hometown bucks a lot harder than the average you know fortune 500 CEOs that typically attend so that may well give Tampa some home field advantage what do you think Maddie? I certainly think there is some advantage. And uh, the fact that Kansas City, again, is the team that has to travel all the way down there and deal with, you know, essentially playing on the road. Tampa is going to be more used to the environment, the humidity, the winter weather that's in Florida. It is different. I think it's the slightest of edges. But at the end of the day, if there is an edge, it still goes to Tampa. Jonas, I want to ask you. Kansas City is not going to travel until the day before the Super Bowl. Many are saying that's a disadvantage. They can't get um, you know, acclimated to Tampa. However, I might argue a lot of times Super Bowl teams get distracted in the Super Bowl city. Might this actually be an advantage that they can just fly in and play without the distractions? Well, I've, um, I was talking about this with Brady Quinn on our show, and he, he had a theory. It was, it was sort of a conspiracy theory. When I come up with them, I'm an idiot. When he comes up with them, he's like next-level thinking. That's how it works on that show. But his thought was when the Rams went to Miami – and just got blasted by the Dolphins. I mean, it was one of the worst Rams performances in the past couple of years. Jalen Ramsey missed the game, so he came down with a flu. It wasn't COVID. It was some sort of a flu. And the thought was, seeing his Florida has been so much more open than other places in the country, do these guys leave a place like California, all of a sudden go out to Florida and go, whoa, whoa, whoa you guys are open? 
wait, wait, this this place is open? I haven't been able to walk into a bar or been able to. So maybe there is something to that, that when you get down to the state of Florida, it's almost like being in a new country based on some of the restrictions due to COVID throughout the country that we've dealt with. And Florida has been more wide open. So maybe there is something to the strategy and not sending them there so early so that they walk into that state and go, oh, my God, this this feels like what it was a year ago, as opposed to what you know they've been normally dealing with those, uh, thus far the past few months. Mm, that's an interesting point. You know, that was one of the weirdest games of the year, though, where the Rams outgained Miami by over 300 yards. Yeah. Maybe the entire special teams unit went out and partied all night in uh, Florida because they did not show up. You know, certainly, you know, one thing, Jonas, you asked me about Super Bowls and scripting them. I do want to say, if there's one thing that seems consistent in Super Bowls, the pressure starting out teams don't want to make that big mistake. And we see it in lower scoring first halves versus second halves over the past 20 years. I just ran the numbers. The average first half has seen 20 points scored. The second halves, 27 and a half. So more than a touchdown of extra scoring in the second half. So keep that in mind as you're betting your prop bets, especially your first quarters, your first halves. Um, it really is uh, difficult to make money betting on scoring early in a Super Bowl. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Now, before we get into the best bets, I got to ask Maddie Hold a question uh, because I look. I'm not speaking for anybody on this show. I'm simply speaking for myself. I don't know about you guys, but I was 0-2 on the UFC on Saturday night. Uh, I did not see that happening with Michael Chandler and uh, um, uh, Dan Hooker. I did not see that knockout happening. And, Maddie, we mentioned it last week briefly about how we were surprised that the line was where it was at and Dustin Poirier was such a significant underdog to Conor McGregor, and it played out that way. So I got to ask you, have we seen the end of McGregor being a 3-1 to favorite in top fights against really good contenders? Oh, for sure, and he shouldn't have been in that fight due to his inactivity. I mean, I know I had Poirier. We talked about how the line was massively inflated. But, A, we haven't seen the end of McGregor, and we haven't seen the end of McGregor being a 3-to-1 favorite. We just have seen him the end of him being a 3-to-1 favorite against elite guys. I think there's plenty of fights out there for him because the UFC needs him to get a win against the ally Quintas or or Tony Ferguson, who's also on a losing streak, where Conor, again, would find himself in the significant favorite role. It's crazy. Yeah, that was uh, – so, yeah, he just started eating up his legs. I could tell by the end of the first round, Connor was in trouble. I, I could tell there was an issue there. Just You could just start to see the gas tank and the concerns start to rise up a little bit, and, yeah, it looked like it was going to be a bad night for him the rest of the way. Uh, it is best bet time here on Straight Out of Vegas, and we are doing Straight Out of Vegas live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio studios. Call Farmers today for a quote. Steve Fezzik, best bet time, Super Bowl 55. Kansas City Chiefs, number of punts under three and a half. Got to lay minus 150. I'm not going to outthink this one. This one is an obvious play, and I think it's a winning play. The Chiefs, five playoff games this year and last year. Chiefs have not punted more than three times in any of them. So you're 5-0 and on this prop. Chiefs have only punted once in their two playoff games. And I think with a total of 56, Andy Reid and company know, hey, you're going to have to score points to win this game, so they should be aggressive in going for it. We're going under three and a half punts, Kansas City Chiefs. Matty Holt, I'm, you've got a best bet as well, too. 
I'm going to go with a prop here. Will there be a roughing the passer penalty called in the game? <laughs> no. I'm going to take the no at minus 120. First of all, there's always less penalties called in the Super Bowl overall. I don't think anyone wants to be the guy that takes the cheap shot at Tom Brady and gets that penalty. Very unlikely to happen here. Basically, a pick at minus 120. I'm going to go no on roughing the passer penalty. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.